You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, good morning. Well, I'm very excited to share my heart with you this morning. I use the handheld. I have, uh, we do have like the little earpiece one, the microphones, but I got little tiny ears. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I have little baby ears. I think my little six-month-old might have bigger ears than I have, and uh, it doesn't like to stick on there well, so Gord is helping me come up with a solution in the future to have a, a ear mic that'll work for me, but in the meantime, I get to feel like someone's holding my hand because I get to use the handheld, so it's all good. But uh, this morning, the, the title of my message is Hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Isaiah forty thirty one says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. Father, I thank you this morning, God, for your word. Lord, I thank you, God, that we can wait on you. Lord, that we can trust in you with everything we have. God, that you are faithful. And God, I pray, Lord, for every single one of us, at whatever stage of life we're in this morning, God, whether we're currently on a mountaintop or if we're in a valley, God, that you would strengthen us, Lord, that we would draw close to you in this season. God, that 2018 would be a year of hope. And Lord, for the downtrodden, God, and the brokenhearted and the, those who feel hopeless this morning, God, I pray that they would be encouraged, that they'd be lifted up, God, that they would see you and see your hand outstretched to them and they'd grab it. So God, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the sermon today is on hope, and I shared last week briefly during the announcements um, that during our time of prayer this year, the word hope just kept coming back to my mind over and over and over and over, and I was really meditating on hope. Hope is an expectation and a desire that something is going to happen in the future, and hope is a very vital part of the Christian walk, part of the Christian experience. And we place our hope in Jesus. Our faith as Christian people is in the person of Jesus. And our hope is in him for salvation. Our hope is in him that his power and his Holy Spirit that is in us will enable us to overcome every obstacle that we would face because he strengthens us from the inside out. Hope is a vital part of the Christian experience and our relationship with God. <laughs> this one's for you, Sam. I just loved this picture. Doesn't it look like he's having fun in there? He looks like he's having fun, but he's actually not. And uh, you'll find out why. A number of years ago, researchers performed an experiment to see how the effect of hope the effect hope has on people undergoing hardship. And two sets of laboratory rodents were used um, in this experiment because 
I don't think any volunteers uh, stepped up on the human side, unfortunately. But what the researchers did is they took, had two sets of, of, of test samples of, of these rodents, and they put them in water, in a tub of water. They put one in one tub and one in the other tub of water. And they watched to see what they would do. In the one tub, they just kind of let them swim. And they found within one hour that they were spent and they'd lost their will to live. In the other tub, every couple minutes, they'd reach in at the very beginning, in the first hour, and just pick up each individual creature and just hold them out of the water and put them back in, and only for a couple seconds. But what happened really astounded the researchers. These rats swam for almost 24 hours. And it demonstrated that when we have hope, we can persevere through trying circumstances. But when we do not have hope, we'll lose our will to live. If hope holds such a powerful, powerful hold in the laboratory, how much greater does it hold in our real lives, in the lives of people? Some of you here today may be feeling like you're barely keeping your head above water. I'm not sure what all you guys uh, are going through in your lives right now. Some of you may be having relational strife in your families with your spouses, with your children. Some of you are battling disease and sickness. Some of you have financial strain in your life. I think a lot of people do, especially after the downturn in the economy, and a lot of people lost their jobs. We had over 100,000 people in the province that were laid off. I'm not sure exactly what your circumstance is this morning. But what I want to tell you is that there's hope. And there's hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Last week, I was really, really encouraged by uh, Janelle's testimony. Janelle Penny and Andre came up, and they shared about her father, who a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember, um, performed a baby dedication with Andre's parents here. And it was such a sweet moment of him speaking into the life of that little one, of that little boy. And it was a heart-wrenching testimony because Janelle was sharing about how her father has just recently been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. And the prognosis is not good. But she stood here and she announced that God is good, regardless of what happens, that they're going to stand in faith, believing for healing for her dad. And even if her dad is not healed on this side of eternity, she knows that God is still good and that through death, ultimately, all God's promises will be fulfilled to her father. God is obviously at the foundation of that family, and it was so encouraging to see. And it reminded me of a song, a song by, that's sung by Newsboys. I'm not sure who actually wrote the song, but it's called When the Tear Falls. And the lyrics go something like this. I've had questions without answers. I've known sorrow, I've known pain. But there's one thing that I'll cling to. You are faithful, Jesus, you are true. When hope is lost, I'll call you savior. When pain surrounds, I'll call you healer. When silence falls, you'll be the song within my heart. In the lone hour of my sorrow, through the darkest night of my soul, you surround me, you sustain me, my defender forevermore. And I will praise you, I will praise you when the tears fall, I will sing to you. I will praise you, Jesus, praise you through the suffering 
Still I Will Sing. This was a song that I heard as a young, young man going to YC, um, probably when I was 17 years old. And I remember thinking, God, I don't know what I'm going to go through in my life, but God, I pray that no matter what I do, when, when things seem hopeless, God, that you will be my hope. Lord, that when pain surrounds, that I'll call you healer. When silence falls, that you will be the song in my heart. This, the lyrics of this song say that when hope is lost, I'll call you savior. But I want to tell you something this morning, church. If you have Christ in your life, if he is your savior, really, hope can't be lost. You always have hope. It can't be lost. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Psalms 25, 1, 4 to 5 says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior, my hope is in you all day long. The scripture really speaks to me, but it also is a little bit cautionary because I know sometimes when you ask God to teach you something, sometimes he will bring something into your life that you least expect. Sometimes the lesson would be one that you'd rather not have at times. So we must always be prepared when we ask God, Lord, teach me, show me your ways, God. Guide me through your truth because he does it through life. He does it through our life circumstances. He teaches us things and we learn obedience and we learn who he is through traveling through life and trusting in him and him showing up and through the power of the Holy Spirit in our heart, guiding us and leading us and transforming situations around us. God is a good father, and he wants us to mature. He wants us to mature physically, but also physically and, and, and emotionally, and he wants us to grow and mature spiritually. But sometimes growth requires some tension. And uh, I know when I was growing up, I can't remember how old I was. I might have been around 13 or 14, and my feet were just starting to grow. And I remember I had really bad pain in my arch, kind of right at the base of my heel and my arch. And my aunt, who's a physiotherapist, was over one day, and she was kind of massaging my foot, and she was just explaining to me that my foot was growing, my bone structure was growing, but my ligaments and the tendons in my foot didn't have a chance yet to, to stretch out. And so that I might have that pain for a few months, and she showed me a couple exercises and some massages I could do to kind of loosen that. And over time, as I grew, that, that pain subsided. And I have no pain at all when I walk today. It wasn't very long, a few months. But sometimes a growing process, there's some tension there. And sometimes there's a little bit of pain. And I see it right now, especially with my little boy, Everett. He's six months old, and he has two little teeth right here, right in the bottom of his mouth. But when those teeth came in, it was pretty painful. There was one night where he was totally uncharacteristically cranky. He was screaming. We couldn't console him because usually the kid, all you have to do is give him a bottle or change his diaper, and he's, he's solid. And um, this one night, he just was not having it. And uh, the next day, he had a little tooth just popped through, through his little gum there. But even though it's a painful process, nobody likes to watch their kids go through pain. We know that those teeth are necessary, that if he doesn't have those teeth, he won't be able to eat solid food. And the spiritual connection here is that all of us 
are spiritual beings. And as we grow, sometimes there's some painful processes that we have to go through to mature us and develop us. And just because something is painful doesn't mean that it's necessarily an attack on the enemy. Sometimes it's God working in your life through a circumstance, trying to develop something in you to mature you so that you'll be conformed more to his image. And it's good to know the difference. Amen? One thing that I'm sure that all of us have in common here this morning is that sometimes life turns out different than we expect. Isn't that so true? I can tell you that I did not expect to be standing here on the stage right now. If you told me three years ago that I'd be here again sharing with you, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But sometimes life throws curveballs at us, things that we don't expect, things that we don't understand. And I think as Christian people, people who have faith in Christ and understand that we have victory in Christ, sometimes we look at certain situations in our life and we think, God, why are we going through this, God? Why, why do I have to go through this, this season of hardship? God, why do I have to go through this trial? We don't always understand how things fit together within God's plan in the moment and how they work together for his glory. Dr. Abraham Tversky calls this disconnect between what we expect and what we actually experience in life, the great wake-up call. And he asks the question, have we unrealistic expectations of what life should be like? Or have we perhaps just become addicted to a certain way of life? I think here in the West, here in Canada, North America, and a lot of the Western nations, we have such a high standard of living that this idea of, of suffering, we have a completely different context for it. And what we consider suffering is leaving your phone at home or not making it through the light and having to stop at the red light. Who's been there? Did anyone suffer on the way to church this morning, hitting that red light? Did any of you go through it anyhow? Because it looked like no one was looking. No, none of you would have done that. I know a few years ago, one of the places that the RCMP used to hang out was right on this corner here from No Frills. When you swing around right in front of our church, they'd, on Sunday mornings, they'd sit there and they'd catch all the people that were going to church that weren't wearing their seatbelts. And um, it was just funny when you'd be driving by and you'd be seeing somebody from church and you're like, oh, you weren't wearing your seatbelts. Whew, suffering. But... Um, do we sometimes have unrealistic expectations that don't always align with the Word of God? You know, I, I look at my life, and, and I would encourage you to look at your life and just look at how you use your time, because it says a lot. You know, most of us spend most of our day working to generate an income. We spend the best days of our youth training and preparing to one day be able to do some sort of income-generating activity. And sometimes I wonder if this aspect of our life might sometimes become too important that we've elevated it and made it everything, when it really isn't. John Paul Getty was a billionaire, an industrialist from the 21st century, who in 1957, Fortune magazine called the richest man in America. 
At the time of his death in 1976, this man was worth $2 billion. Inflation adjusted, that would be $8.6 billion today. And during his life, somebody asked him, you know, Jean, how much is enough? How will you know when you have amassed enough wealth? And his answer was, when I have a little bit more. That the things of this world, the material possessions of this world, will never satisfy us because there's always something more that we can acquire. We work. We make money. We strive to get that promotion and get that raise to make more money. We buy a bigger house. We then go out and buy the toys, the boat, and the quads, and the RV. And then when we're not working, we just want to lay back and use those things that, that we've paid for or indebted ourselves in. So we'll seek leisure, and we'll seek comfort, and we'll seek entertainment. But ultimately, we find that these things are not fully satisfying. There's a disconnect. They're not fully life-giving activities in and of themselves. And many of us, as we found out in the oil downturn, found out that these blessings ended up becoming a curse when you felt enslaved to the payments that you had to make for all this stuff you'd acquired. But your income source was cut down and you weren't able to make the bill. You see, even when things are going well, eventually we get bored with our own lives. I don't know, have you ever been bored with your life, just felt like bored? I know as a kid, I always used to say, oh, I'm bored, and me and my friends would get together, and we'd be sitting there trying to think of what to do, and we were always saying we were bored, and my parents would just get so frustrated saying, go inside and play, go do something, like, use your imagination. I don't know if you have kids that often say they're bored, but um, so far, Sophia's never said that to me. I don't think she knows what bored means. That girl is, is something else. But when we begin to get bored with our own life and unsatisfied with our own life, as many of us are in our society, we then turn to social media and we compare ourselves to other people. But the problem is, is that we project our best selves, our ideal selves on social media. Most people don't put their worst days on their Facebook profile. Most people go and take 50 photos and make sure they get the right pose before they put it onto their profile picture. How many have done this, taken like 20 photos just to get the right angle, the right shot before you put it on your Instagram? Ah, there you are, Janelle. I, didn't say, I was looking over here because that's where you were sitting last week, I think. Nice to see you. When we compare our lives to the fantasy life of someone else, a life that is unrealistic, that's not even a real life, we become even more disconnected and more discontented with our own life. And then some of us will squeeze in the church service on Sunday mornings as if that'll just make it all better somehow. But you know, the more and the more that I've been, been, been talking to people, it seems like there becomes this disconnect about halfway through people's careers where they start pursuing their career, their life, and, and they look around. Cynthia and I were just talking about this the other day. How easy it is to look around and think, is this really what where I expected to be at this point in my life? At uh, you know, halfway through my career? Is this what it's all about? And sometimes we get discouraged, and sometimes we get to a place where we have a little bit of a lack of faith, a little bit of a crisis. And it comes down to this: where is it that we put our faith and our hope? 
And for so many of us, and I'm guilty of this, of doing it so often, is I put too much weight on my temporary circumstances. And I think if I can just change my temporary circumstances, it would change everything. But the reality is, it's only our relationship with God that will change and transform everything in our life. You can change everything to be your perfect ideal world. But if you don't have relationship with God, if you don't know your creator, it's not going to fulfill you because there's a big God-sized hole in all of our hearts that can only be filled by him. And stuff and money and girlfriends and friends... Those things are all great, but they won't fill that God-sized hole in your heart. Where do you place your hope this morning? 1 Corinthians 13, 8-9, it's the love chapter. But it says this, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. We only see in part. Life is like driving to Edmonton in a snowstorm. Who's ever had to do that? I know Hayward Neffy did that fairly recently. And there's nothing more terrifying when you can barely see, and you said see the headlights of a gigantic truck coming before you, and you know that as soon as that truck hits you, there's going to be such a whirlwind of snow, you might go five seconds without being able to see a thing. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. But at the same time, you can't just slam on your brakes because then the person behind you is going to crash into you. And so you're looking to the sides of the road. You're trying to see where is the road that I can stay in my lane. But sometimes it's even hard to find the painted line on the edge of the road, especially in the winter because it's sometimes covered up in snow, especially blowing snow. When we're going through life, when we're going through trials, when we're going through situations that are trying, we look for reference points. We look for guide guideposts to know that we're on the right track. But if we're focused on the temporary, we're not focused on the heavenly. We're not focused on the things of God. We're focused on ourselves and our selfish ambition and our temporary circumstances. We're not going to be aligned properly. We're going to be discontented. We're going to be disconnected from the life source, from the life giver, from the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. So remember that when you're going through your trial that you only see in part, but God knows the whole picture. And we can put our hand into his hand and allow him to guide us because he knows everything and he has a plan. And it's a good plan because he's a good father. And he's not going to lead you astray. But our hope as Christians goes far beyond our temporary circumstances of where we are right now. 1 Peter 1, 3-6 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that you that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. You see, the big picture ultimately is this, this relationship with God. 
It's relationship with God. We know as Christians that we're going to spend eternity with Christ in heaven. But the amazing thing is, is we don't have to wait till God takes us or for Christ to return to be with him. Because if you have Christ in your heart, you, you're with him right now. You're connected. You're abiding with him. And Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory, it's not something we have to wait for. It's something that we can live in now. We can live in the hope that we have in him for our salvation. We know that ultimately every promise of God will be fulfilled upon death. But God has certain promises that he's going to fulfill in our lives now. And we need to press in and believe his word. We need God to be our guiding post, not everything else, or we're going to be led astray. Our inheritance is kept in heaven for us. It's one that can never spoil and never fade. Our hope is founded in the life that we have in Christ and the living hope that we have through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, eternal life in him, relationship with him forever. And if we don't acknowledge the reality of the resurrection from the dead for the believer also, we'll be discouraged when trying times come, when seemingly hopeless situations arise in our lives. Sometimes we won't be able to see the forest through the trees, but we could be distracted by our circumstances. Psalms 130 verse 5 says, I wait on the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. The very first scripture that we read there in Isaiah 40, depending on what Bible translation you have, it won't say hope. It might say trust in the Lord. It might say wait on the Lord. These words often are quite interchangeable. But here in Psalms 130, it says, I wait on the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. God's word is our life book. It's our life manual. When we're not sure what to think on something, it's where we go to. It's our source to find out what is true, what is right, what is noble. But the problem sometimes is that we have to learn to study the word of God also in context. And uh, I was talking earlier this week with, uh, with Melanie Watt, and we were discussing how easy it is to lash onto a scripture sometimes and to apply them to our lives, but sometimes we don't even consider the context in which it was originally written in the Bible. And we hold on to a truth, and we're holding on to it, but unfortunately it's creating this kind of shallow faith because we don't really understand the context and the original intent behind that scripture. And it's important that we understand the context of things because it's easy to take something out of context, isn't it? It's like overhearing a conversation but only ever hearing every second or third word and then trying to tell someone else what you overheard, which you shouldn't do because that's called gossip. But the point is, it's an incomplete picture. And we need context if we're to understand the word of God. And we need the Holy Spirit we need the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us, to enlighten it to our minds. Because we can't continue to read the Bible through carnal minds. We need the eyes of the Spirit to reveal it to us so we have understanding 
eyes of understanding. I want to share one example with you. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. Many of you will know this scripture. It goes like this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Some of your Bibles might say a spirit of timidity, of power, love, and self-discipline. But when you read the scripture, or you quote the scripture to encourage you, do you think of this scripture in the context of suffering? I never have. And earlier this week, I was reading it. And I just quoted the scripture to somebody last Sunday when I was praying for them. And what caught my attention is in verse 8, directly following, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. You see, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner. He says he's his prisoner because Paul's in prison, writing to Timothy. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Jesus Christ from all eternity. When you hear the scripture, do you th have you ever considered that it's a call to be bold, to be courageous, to walk in the spirit and not in your flesh, and to not be afraid of suffering? The type of suffering in which you're suffering for the Lord, persecution for standing up for your faith and being light, in the darkness and the pushback that you'll experience from that. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. The power of God. The work of the Holy Spirit in our life. The power of God. A lot of the New Testament that was written by Paul, quite a few of the books, he was in prison when he wrote them. I've never been in prison. I've seen those prison shows where they go in and they, I don't know if any of you have seen those shows. I can tell you it's definitely not a place I want to be, especially during a prison riot. Actually, just here in Alberta recently, I heard on the news that they are having issues with the inmates or suing the prison because of un... They're being, because they're not, well, what was it? They're not being treated well, or they spend too much time in their cell. I know I heard it. There was a, some group of inmates not very long ago tried to sue the prison because they didn't like the food. They didn't think they had enough variety. Suffering. I can tell you this that is not the type of prison that Paul was sitting in. Paul was sitting in a dungy, gross cell, probably a room with a dirt or cement floor. And the only food he was getting is that which people brought him. Prisoners weren't being fed by prison guards. They are catching the rats and trying to eat them raw, sustain them if nobody brought them any food. And that's the reality. But you see, here's a man so filled with hope, so filled with love, so filled with the Holy Spirit that he is encouraging those outside 
of prison. What an amazing thing. I, my prayer is that we would all get to the place where we would praise God through all circumstances. That we'd be able to get to that place that regardless of our current circumstances, that we're unwavering in our praise for God and our, and our love for God, regardless of what we're going through. But the point of all this is I want to urge you to read the context of these scriptures that we often quote. Because an inspirational quote or an inspirational scripture is not going to be enough to sustain us when the real trials come. It's just not. Especially when we don't fully understand it. We need to begin to see past our individual circumstances and our humanly perspective and see things from a heavenly perspective. A few years ago, I went to Jasper. I was there with my wife, Rhea. That is not me. I wish it was. Look at that guy. He's fit. And he's standing on the top of a mountain. But I'm about to tell you my mountaintop experience right here. Okay. So we go to Jasper. And I'm there with Rhea, my two brother-in-laws, Seth and Caleb. My, one of my best friends, his name is John Mark. Some of you will know him and remember him. him his wife and uh, his family used to live here in Cold Lake a few years ago. And um, John Mark used to, years ago, work as like a ski instructor um, in Jasper. And so he told us, you know what, w tomorrow we should go on a hike. I think it was a Friday night. And he said, well, Saturday morning, we'll wake up early, like 4.30. I'm going to go on this awesome hike up this mountain trail. But he hadn't been on this hike for a really, really long time. And so he's telling me about this hike, and I'm thinking, this doesn't sound like a good idea. Like, I just got regular running shoes. I'm not exactly in my peak performance. So I'm, I'm just thinking this sounds like a miserable idea, but everyone else is so excited. Yes, let's go on this, this mountain climbing trip. I hear that Pastor Lance is quite the mountain climber now. Apparently him and Cindy are out climbing mountains all the time. Sidestep story. But anyhow, back to my story, climbing a mountain. So here we are. We're in Jasper. We get up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm, I'm not even happy about getting up at 4.30 in the morning on my weekend off. And we get in the car, and we drive up the highway a little ways, and we get to the base of this, this mountain, and we see a sign, and it has, you know, all the little green lines, and, you know, you're looking at that. And I didn't look at the scale of the sign, but I'm like, ah, uh, path doesn't look that far, you know. But uh, my mistake. Um, so we start climbing this mountain, and it's dark. So we're walking down these windy paths, and we can't see, even hardly see what we're doing. We have one flashlight amongst all of us. And um, we, st we start climbing, we start climbing. The sunrise hits, and we're starting to work our way through the trees, through the tree line. There's this big cutout, really nice path. And all of a sudden, we start hitting snow. I shouldn't say all of a sudden. It was more like three hours later, we started hitting snow. And yes, we're still walking three hours later. And I'm thinking what kind of hike are we going on? We're hitting snow, and it's like summertime. Like, what is going on here? So apparently, this path that John Mark took us on was actually to the actual peak of the mountain. And it was like hours, hours of walking and climbing. And I'm starting to slow the pack down. I'm just, I'm just dragging my feet. My feet are cold. I'm just wearing normal running shoes in the snow. I'm miserable. I'm just com being really, probably complaining. I was probably just a pain in their side the, the whole way. So eventually, there began this separation. They started walking ahead of me, and I was just kind of trailing behind. And we go around a bend, and, and slowly they started getting farther and farther. And eventually, I got to the point where I'd go around the bend, and I couldn't see them. 
They'd already gone around the next bend. And I got really discouraged. I'm like, I came here to go on a hike with my friends and my family, and they just ditched me. And I didn't even want to be on this hike to begin with. And so I'm just sledging my way through the snow, really bitter and upset. And eventually I come to this stump. I see this, this big stump or log, and I, I lay across it, and I think, do you know what? I think I'm going to give up. I'm just going to lay here, take a nap. We got up so early, it would be so nice to take a nap right now. And when they get to the top of this mountain, they can come back down and meet me here at this stump. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I'll never hear the end of it if I don't make it at least to where they are. And I have no cell phone. I have no way to contact them. They'll be thinking I got eaten by a cougar or something. I wouldn't want that. So I pick myself up, and I'm starving by this point. I'm getting really hungry, and I'm walking, I start walking up the mountain. I'm just hating every minute of it. And eventually we get to this plateau, and there is Rhea and her brothers and John Mark and Jeremiah just sitting there, and they're eating some protein bars. And I'm like, I am so hungry. Give me one of those protein bars. And like, well, you can't be that hungry. It's like, what do you mean? They're like, well, we left you a bunch of protein bars along the path. Didn't you see them? And I was like, no. And literally in my like bitterness, I didn't even notice what was around me. And they, they were leaving me little, little treasures and little gifts along the way to, to encourage me, to keep me going, you know? And I'm like, I think I saw this once, you know, in, in one of those rat wheels where you give a little piece of cheese. It's like training a dog. I don't know. But regardless, we get to this plateau. And for the first time now, I can clearly see the top of this mountain. And it's beautiful. And I collapse down. And I'm like, thank God we can take a rest. And they all say, we've been sitting here for half an hour. We're going now. And I'm like, what? I just got here and I'm exhausted. And so I sit there just for five minutes. I convince them to stay for five minutes. And then we continue on our way. But I'll tell you what. Once I was with my friends, I got some new life in me. Once I could see that top of that mountain, it was all of a sudden something I could do. It was, it was foreseeable. I could see it. And all of a sudden, I got this new surge of energy, the second wind. And we made our way up to the shale crest. And I thought, well, this is pretty much as good as it gets. We're, we made it to the, to the base of, of, of the peak there. I guess we should go. And John Mark and everyone else says, no, we're going to the top. And so we're climbing up and shale rocks falling. More than once, John Mark had to reach out and grab my jacket because I was about to fall off the edge of a cliff. It was horrible. It was so treacherous. I honestly, I can't believe I did that. And I don't even know how I got back down because that's, it's easy getting up. Then you're looking down and you're like, how am I going to get back down? They're going to have to call a helicopter search team. SARS, SARS, send them out. I need them. And um, so here we are. We finally get to the top, almost to the top. I got to like the little lookout and then my brother-in-laws who were really courageous went to the one little crest that was a little bit higher. Basically that one right there. I was the one just a little bit lower. This isn't actually the mountain. I couldn't find a good picture. We had some pictures, but I wasn't in any of them because I wasn't with the pack the whole time they were taking pictures. So I'm like, I'm not going to show a picture of everyone else and not me. Although maybe I should have because, you know, that, that would have got more empathy from you maybe. But, um, but the amazing thing was, was what changed when I could see, see the end point, when I could see the crest, and when I had friends around me and family to support me and encourage me to get to the top. And do you want to know what even else is more amazing other than the view at the top? Was I was looking, standing at the top of the mountain, completely exhausted. 
and I'm looking down and I could see all the trail systems. I could see everywhere that we just walked. And I still had enough energy in me to walk down the next three, four hours back down the mountain. I almost gave up halfway up the mountain. But by the end, I'd climbed all the way up and all the way back down. And do you know what was an ama- the, the last bit of most amazingness of this whole experience? Was because I didn't see all the little treats they'd left for me. On the way down, I got to rediscover them. It was good. Really good. Really good. But what I ultimately discovered from this experience was this. That there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. There are no hopeless situations, just people who have grown hopeless about them. Sometimes you just got to keep going a little bit farther. When you feel like you can't go any farther, you just got to take a couple more steps, get to the clearing so you can see the end goal. This morning, I'm going to end with Romans 5, 1 to 5, the Passion Translation. It says this, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy, but we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Church, you don't have to wait the Lord takes you or returns to experience God and his full abundant life for you. You have it in you right now. We just got to tap into it. We got to continue to grow and foster that relationship with the Lord. And he will sustain us. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. They'll make it to the top of the mountain. Father, I thank you this morning, God, for your goodness. Worship team, you can come on up. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are good. God, I thank you that you are faithful. God, I thank you, God, that we can put our hope and our trust in you, and you will renew our strength, God, that our strength is in you,
As we sang this morning, Lord, that when we are weak, you are strong. Lord, be our strength in this season. God, may we have hope in 2018. God, may we continue to soar on wings like eagles. God, have a new perspective, a heavenly perspective on our situation, God, that will encourage us and not deter us. God, I thank you for the church. God, I thank you for the glorious hope that we have and how the church is part of it. God, I thank you for what you're doing in your church and in this church. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would not do it alone because the Christian walk was not meant to be lived alone. God, as we go through this season in 2018, God, I pray that we'd be encouraged by one another, that we'd build friendships and relationships, God, that would last a lifetime, that would get us to the next place that you have for us. But God, I pray that we would not fear those moments that we have to go it alone with you. Lord, where we have to be developed in our heart, in our spirit, God, where, where we need to grow in patience and long-suffering. God, those areas of our life where you're developing character. And God, so that we can see the glory of God revealed through our lives, through your Holy Spirit. So God, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, and for the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing Worship God. It's 1125. We're actually a little bit early today. And I don't think it's because I talked too short. I think it's because I just got started pretty early today. But I want to encourage you this morning that if you need prayer for anything, come on up. If you're discouraged this morning and you just need an arm around you to, to walk with you for, for a few minutes, come on up. If you're undergoing financial difficulty, relationship strife with your family, we got prayer teams here to walk with you and to share what the Word of God says to help you through this situation. And may you know that there's hope. There's hope in Him. And we find hope as we walk together, pursuing the one who is greater than everything, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to sing, we're going to worship a song, and, then, and feel free to come on up. We'll pray, pray for you and... Um, See what God does this morning, amen? Awesome. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church place where families connect.